Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit Q, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. And you can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and on Twitter. I encourage you to comment early and often using the hashtags NonprofitU or Community Needs Assessment. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit underscore you. You'll find the Nonprofit U fan page on Facebook and the Twitter account is at NonprofitU. The chat room is open and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account. You'll find a link to open the account on the episode page, and you can also email me questions at consulting at ValerieFlanert.com or send messages through Facebook and Twitter. You'll find a Nonprofit U fan page on the Facebook, and the Twitter account is at Nonprofit U. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 20-minute mark, and the call-in number is 347-21. Again, that number is area code 347 884 8121. I'd like to welcome my cohort from the Chicago Plans. We just completed a cohort um, exchanging ideas on community planning. I'm hoping that you guys will feel free to call in at about the 20 minute mark and share some of what's going on in your community. Some nonprofit leaders have a tendency to build organizations and programs around issues for which they have a passion. They believe in their hearts that if they build it, people will come. In other cases, leaders continue to use program models that are no longer relevant to the communities they serve. They may have started their work 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, and even 10 years ago and find that the community is very, very different from it was when they started. Regardless, these practices can lead to a duplication of services, and in some cases, newer needs go unmet. Today's discussion focuses on how organizations can stay relevant by community needs assessment. Our episode is Staying Relevant, Why You Should Conduct a Community Needs Assessment. We'll talk about what a community needs assessment is, why you should conduct one, the tools you can use, and how the community needs assessment drives your theory of change. You should also check the episode description for today. We have uploaded a link to a few slides to support today's podcast. Again, we encourage you to call in with questions and to participate in live chat at about the 20-minute mark. The call-in number is area code 347-884-8121. Nonprofit professionals and community stakeholders are especially encouraged to call in and share your stories. 
So the first thing we want to talk about is ABCD, or Asset-Based Community Development. Uh, as some of you may know, ABCD was started by John Kretzmann and John McKnight at the ABCD Institute at Northwestern University. And again, ABCD stands for Asset-Based Community Development. It's a philosophy of community development that focuses on community development from the inside out, and it's a belief that communities already have what they need in order to address the issues rather than waiting for Superman, if you would, to come and swoop down, right? They focus on the positives or the assets a community has rather than the needs or the deficits. And they believe that the people are central to the solutions. Community needs assessment is actually a way of gauging opinions, assumptions, those needs, those assets, key issues within a defined community. And that definition comes from Charlie French, and he's a community economic development specialist with the University of New Hampshire Cooperative Extension. So there are a number of reasons why people would be interested in in developing a community needs assessment. First of all, you might use a community needs assessment to develop proposals, new programs, or actually improve existing programs. Another reason for conducting a community needs assessment is to develop strategic plans. And when we talk about strategic plans, we're looking at ways organizations can position themselves within their own environment to actually take advantage of the opportunities and, and navigate some of the challenges, right? You can also use a community needs assessment when you're developing your business plan. And for nonprofits, basically a business plan is looking at a program or, or looking at a strategy and making it you know, more operational through its programs. And you can use excuse me, a community needs assessment to describe the current lay of the land or describe the current situation. You want to also identify community needs, concerns, and issues, and you can use them also to develop marketing strategies. Another reason why you might use a community needs assessment is to galvanize grassroots actions around needs or policies. And you can also determine whether or not the needs have changed. You know, again, you know, one of the worst things community-based organizations can do is start, you know, with one program and the community changes around them, but they don't necessarily change their programs or their strategies in order to keep up. So they are no longer relevant. You want to use a community needs assessment to collect communities' hopes and dreams and desires and again, you want to make sure that your programs are relevant. And when I say relevant, that means you want to make sure that the community can actually use those programs that you have actually put your banner out for. You want the community to see you as a resource, see you as someone that can help address an issue of concern. So there are a number of tools that we can use in order to develop our community needs assessments, right? Uh, one of the first is surveys and questionnaires. And these are really important because, you know, you're not going to find information from surveys and questionnaires in any 
um, printed literature nine times out of ten. This is original resource, uh, research that you, your nonprofit organization, has. And you can get a sense for, you know, what the attitudes of the people are, what their knowledge is, what their preferences are about a specific issue or topic or program. And then you can also use surveys and questionnaires to gather quantitative data or qualitative data. And this all depends on how your survey question is actually structured. Um, when you do scales or when you do multiple choice and then have some sort of numeric code, you use those quantitative data so you can measure you know, the extent to which people feel or agree to a certain um, the survey. If you use open-ended questions, that can't be measured per se, but what it does do is it gives you, you know, more background as to what people feel about a certain topic. Another tool is interviews. And we often use the interviews to get behind numbers or to get behind the survey data. You know, a survey, you know, especially in um, in today's time where we want to move at warp speed, you know, folks are probably not going to have much interest in answering more than 10 questions. They have to be really succinct about the way that survey is designed. So when you get an interview, you can really get a, a better sense for what people are feeling, and it will provide more detailed qualitative information that won't be readily captured in a survey. Another tool is focus group discussions. And basically, focus group discussions are group interviews, and you usually have people that have similar interests or experiences, and you might want to use this for your clients or potential clients, employees in a particular department. You know, these are all people who can speak, you know, the same language, you know, so that you can facilitate a discussion pretty efficiently. And these are basically designed to capture the qualitative data that is not easily captured in a survey again. Another tool is public meetings. And public meetings are used to educate the public on an issue or program and identify issues. And most importantly, you don't want your public meetings to be a one-way street. You want this to be a two-way street. So as you give information about what you the organization is issue or what you know about an issue, you obviously don't know everything, right? The people who come to your meetings have valuable information, and you want to make sure that there's adequate give and take at those meetings so that they could give you feedback on what they're thinking about the issue, what they're thinking about your programs, and then you take that information and those recommendations, and you use that to inform your program, your strategy, your initiatives, your services, et cetera, et cetera. Another tool, and actually this tool should be the very first, um, this is the literature review. You want to review books and articles that identify recent developments or best practices for addressing a given issue or for developing a type of program or strategy. So you want to see what other people have done, learn from their mistakes, um, learn from the good things that they've been able to accomplish, but then you want to be able to apply 
the learning to your program. So you don't necessarily want to use it to have a cookie-cutter approach, but you do want to be informed. And it may take you some time in the beginning, but it actually cuts down the headache and time on the back end because you would have been informed, you would, would have known what questions to ask in your survey and all that good stuff. And whatever you do, whenever you use information that you get from another source, it's always important to cite where you've got your information. Community needs assessment tool is asset mapping. And you should have, um, if you haven't, you should be able to download the handouts. Um, you'll look in the episode page and you can download the handouts today. And then I sent an email to some people ahead of time. So uh, make sure you get those um, handouts ready so that at the appropriate time, which is coming up really soon, we will be able to look at those and they'll, you know, the discussion will be a little bit more meaningful. So asset mapping can be used to map the location of assets in the community. Um, it can also be used, I guess, theoretically. Um, you can use uh, maps or a diagram, so to speak, to to actually label the different assets that you have. And when you're looking at this from an asset-based approach, you're actually not focusing on all the negatives in your neighborhood. You're not necessarily focusing on the needs or deficits, but you're actually focusing on the positive or looking at the possibilities. And, and you'll find that that's a whole lot less stressful. Asset maps can be broken down into five components. And when we talk about components, uh, we're talking about the categories of the assets that all communities have. All communities have individuals, and these are people who live in the community. Um, they typically have associations. That's any group of people that come together with a shared interest. So they don't necessarily have to be a formal organization, but they're just coming together because they have a shared interest. And this could be a block club. This could be fraternal orders. People who have noticed that there's crime in the community and somebody needs to do something about it, so they're working together until the issue is addressed. Or it could be a task force. Assets can also be institutions. So those are those formal groups. They tend to be staple in the community. They're well-established organizations that have a significant community impact. So this could be hospitals. It could be nonprofit organizations like the ones that you work for. It could be schools. It could be businesses. Another category of asset that all communities have is land. So the land could be open space, including parks, including boulevards. It could be vacant lots. It can actually be land that's being used, land that's being used for housing, land that's being used for businesses. And then another category is exchange. So in this instance, we're looking at, for example, the number of times a dollar turns over in a community. So we want to focus on the asset. So at this time, I want you to, if you have access, and if it's not going to keep you from listening to me, um, look at your handouts. Um, you should find, I believe, the third 
second or third handout, we want to look at the asset mapping framework. So that's thing that looks like a little stomach in red. And then after that, we have the asset mapping framework focusing on community assets. So that will be in blue. And then after that, we have community mapping, which is literally a map. So when we look at this first slide for the asset mapping, asset mapping framework, we're looking at, remember I told you the map doesn't necessarily literally have to be a map. It could actually be a diagram. It could be a chart. And in this case, um, this comes from the Indianapolis Neighborhood Resource Center. They actually did a very interesting chart. So this first chart focuses on neighborhood needs. So when you look at the needs, you see things like unemployment, truancy, slum housing, graffiti, crime, child abuse, gangs, lead poisoning, dropouts. That sounds like a lot of communities that we have here in Chicago, right? And also when you read that, it, it conjures up very negative imaging, and by the time you get through the list, you're so tired, you might not want to start working. And when you look at the second part of this, you know, this is looking at the same community. It's got the same issues, but rather than looking at the negative, it's looking at the positive. So in the first one where we saw truancy, we see schools. Where we saw illiteracy under neighborhood needs, we now see libraries under community assets. Where we saw gangs, <clears throat> where we saw gangs, we see parks. Where we saw unemployment, we see businesses. So looking at this, it immediately gets you in a framework where you're solving problems and you're addressing issues rather than, you know, feeling like, oh, my goodness, woe is me. You know, there's no way I can address this. And when you look at the third map, this is literally a map, and I got this map from the city of Chicago, um, the Department of Community Development, that's what they were called at the time. And this is a map of Chicago senior housing. So you see all types of housing and different symbols. You know, there's assisted living, there's affordable housing, there's CHA housing, Ida Finance Housing, DOH, or Department of Housing Finance Housing. So you should be able to look and know where the assets are that city of Chicago, as indeed finance, know what type of asset it is just as a, as a glance. So all three of these are very, very useful in helping organizations to identify what the issues are, what the gaps are, what the opportunities are, most importantly. And I want to give you an example of a needs assessment using prisoner reentry. So if I were to do a needs assessment for prisoner reentry, one of the things I want to look at is how many ex-offenders are returning to the community on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, or annual basis. And the way I would know this, you know, I would read public documents, I would get in touch with Illinois Department of Corrections, I would do a literature review. 
I would also want to know who's impacted by their return in the community. So that could be family, that could be victims and business owners. And then I want to know what problems they face. So first of all, I want to do a literature review to find out what's already been done because there's no need in reinventing the wheel, right? But then I also want to understand if that experience is, you know, similar to what I'm experiencing or if there's anything different. So for that reason, I'm going to be doing surveys and interviews and actually talk to people, you know, who are impacted by this issue of prisoner reentry. So I want to talk to former prisoners. I want to talk to prisoners even if I have access to them before they get out, right? I want to talk to people who have been harmed. I want to talk to people who are family members and see what they're going through so I can identify what needs they have. And then I want to ask myself, what do prisoners need or former prisoners need in order to successfully transition back into society as productive citizens? And again, I can find this out through literature reviews, interviews, and focus groups. And then, you know, when I'm looking at the the environment, I want to look and see, you know, who's already doing this work. Um, are they doing this work well? Are there any gaps in services? If there are any gaps, do I have the capacity as an organization to fulfill them? And if I can't fill in the gaps, who might I partner with or who might I be able to coax, you know, into the community to set up shop? And then finally, once you get all of this information, you want to develop a theory of change. And a theory of change describes a process of planned social change, and it includes things like the assumptions, that are, and those assumptions are going to guide the design to the long-term goals that you want to achieve. Um, you could do a theory of change in terms of a map. So it could be a map of a process of change. Some people use program logic models. You can use the theory of change to establish a blueprint for the work ahead and then anticipate your likely effects. And most importantly, it reveals what should be evaluated, when, and how. So as an organization, you're going to start off obviously by looking at your mission and goals and core values and all that good stuff. You've got to also look at the environment. You know, based on what we just talked about, you want to examine the environment and see what it is about the environment, um, how you're going to address the issues that you've been able to identify, and then there may be some data you are just not going to be able to collect. And in those cases, you're going to have to make certain assumptions. And based on the situation, what's going on in the community, based on the issues that you've identified and the needs, you're going to then develop a target. So in the case of the ex-offenders, your target could be um, offenders, you know, nonviolent offenders who have spent less than one or two years in prison, and, you know, something to that effect. And then once you get your target, then you begin to establish your strategies and your programs, and then you start looking at some of the outcomes. And ideally you want to identify what those desired outcomes are before you even develop your strategies. And then you want to reflect on that, and then, you know, the process displays itself 
over and over. So you want to use the information that you get from your community needs assessment and always feed that back into your programs to make your program stronger, to make your strategy stronger, to make your business model stronger, to make your advocacy stronger. You know, because this work is often not if you're just going through an exercise and leaving what you've learned on a shelf or in a proposal or somewhere where you're not using it. Okay, so we have gone through our discussion on community needs assessment, and I'm going to open it up for callers. I do see where there is one person on the line. I'm going to open this line up and see if this person has any any questions. Okay, I see Hello, a caller. Yes, yes. This is, is Roger Brown. Ryan? How are you? Yes, it is. I'm pretty good. Yeah. Good, Thank good. you for calling. And this My is, pleasure. I have to let, let folks know that this is a member of the List Chicago Plans cohort. He's also <laughs> my partner in crime <laughs> in North Lawndale. We're, we're working on our own community plan, and we're going to be going through a similar process. Did you have any questions or comments? I, I, I tagged a little bit late, so I'm not sure if you addressed this or not already, but I like the two asset maps that you had there. One kind of identified the problem, the other identified potential solutions. One of the things I would imagine that we're going to have, as well as others, is how do we identify that gap analysis? Because many organizations in place that might be trying to address those issues, but apparently they're not getting addressed sufficiently. So how do we address that gap analysis? <laughs> and, and and not do things the same way? I mean, obviously. Yeah. And then sometimes, you know, truth be told, there was nothing wrong with the former strategies other than, people may not have followed through. So ah, one, of, okay. one of the things that we're going to be doing is, you know, again, having folks in different committees to identify the different gaps and then address mm-hmm. them through either new strategies or strategies that have not yet materialized. And then we, we have to really get a better understanding, I think, of why uh, we had the failure in the first place. And when I say failure, I'm not trying to say individual people or groups are failures, but any time we don't reach our goals, you know, that can be um, problematic and sometimes it could be discouraging. So we we need to do a post-mortem, so to speak, at think mm-hmm. first and find out why things didn't work and then try to make sure that we address those issues. Sometimes it could be an issue with capacity, and capacity can take on many forms. It it could be lack of uh, manpower. It could be lack of knowledge, lack of resources, and all that good stuff. And once we identify where the shortcomings occur, we're hoping that we can move things forward. And and you've shown yourself to be a very creative thinker, and I'm I'm sure with you with you being one of the leaders of this process, we will have no problem. Uh, I I certainly am in agreement with you that we maybe look at doing things differently than we did them in the past. But again, I think you're also correct that sometimes it may simply have been a matter of, of not completely following through on the execution. So uh, mm-hmm. you're right. There's a lot of good organizations in the community already doing some good work, so they just need to. Maybe some support in terms of capacity building to complete the execution. Good show. I enjoy it. Good show. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling in. Any any mm-hmm. other questions? No, that's it for right now. Okay, great. 
Okay, our call-in number is 347-884-8121. If you have any questions before we close down, um, please give us a call. I'll wait about a minute. And if I don't hear from you, then we will end our show. So, Rodney, I still have the line open. Okay. Are, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still uh, there. One, yeah, one of the things that we're going to do, uh, and we haven't necessarily prioritized the order, but we want to engage the organization in North Lawndale in a process where they actually understand how to do a community needs assessment so that they can then use that same language, you know, as we're developing our community plan. So uh, we've got our work cut out for us. We're going to be doing a comprehensive Community plan, and um, we're going to focus on. Are you there? One of the things I I like about the idea is when you talk about a community needs assessment, there are a lot of times when organizations will come to the table and they'll provide solutions, but they may not necessarily be solutions to the problem that the communities have addressed. So I like the idea of talking to the community, finding out what they say is the problem, and then we come back with solutions that will help them address the basic big issues. That's true, because I, I know all too often, you know, we we don't listen as, as well as we should to um, rank-and-file citizens, mm-hmm. you, know, for, you know, for our needs. And I'm hoping that we do something a little bit differently. I, I think we had a, a great... Um, you know, a, a couple plans I think have been great starts in terms of getting really good um, community involvement, but it's hard to maintain, you know, momentum. And, and one of the things that we're trying to do in order to um, correct that is, you know, create a body, you know, which we have, the North Lawndale Community Coordinating Council, that, right. you know, once the plan is done, uh, we'll actually use that to shepherd the plan. Good, good. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. And I thank you so much. And it's 2.30, and we don't have any more callers. I thank you for for calling in, Rodney, and I thank all of our listeners for listening, and I'm hoping that the information was useful. So... I want to thank everybody again for listening, and the show is going to be available for download within about an hour. Be sure to tune in next week for another lively discussion. Uh, we'll be talking TIFFs with Tom Tresser of Chicago Civic Lab. So until then, take care, and may may the nonprofit force be in you, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good show, Valerie. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. <laughs> All righty. Okay. All right. Okay. Bye-bye.